Welcome, folks, to the Vikings Territory Breakdown, our weekly show in which we uh, dissect the dead carcass of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I, I must say I'm here under protest because I'm here uh, with uh, Mark Craig from the Star Tribune, longtime uh, NFL writer, Vikings writer for the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com and uh, a native Clevelander that uh, enjoyed last week's game much more than I did. Uh, let's just say that. But, uh, Mark, the the the, uh, the Cleveland defense was was too, too, too much for the Vikings, but uh, so were the refs. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> let, let me have it. Let me have it. And uh, what, what are your thoughts, opening thoughts on the game? Uh, my thoughts are that uh, that's how – if Zimmer could win – 17 games in a row, that's how he would want to play, is exactly how, well, I think he'd want a little better quarterback play than Baker Mayfield. But run the ball, wear a team out, defensive, you know, wear the defense out, and then play great defense and uh, put them in third and longs, sack the quarterback, harass the quarterback. Uh, you know, the Browns can win a lot of games playing that way, and so could the Vikings. Uh, but the Browns are going to need a lot better quarterback play because that game was there for the taking, for for the – if the, the Vikings didn't have to do a whole lot more than what they did to win that game because of Baker Mayfield was awful. Did you think, you know, right off, off the top of my head, I'm just, just asking this. I mean, yeah, we had – Stefanski kind of out-zimmered Zimmer with, with that game plan. Joe Woods, I mean, you brought it up in your story in the Star Tribune this week. Um, but how much – and it seemed like to me – Uh, these two teams, uh, you had, you know, Zimmer's or Stefanski's the former, former uh, uh, OC and longtime member of the coaching staff for Minnesota. And he knew exactly, or at least Joe Woods did, who was also here, knew exactly how to play Kirk Cousins. And what do you, how do you, how big a factor was that in this game? And how come Zimmer couldn't turn the tables? Well, I mean, Joe Woods wasn't here. He uh, Zimmer didn't retain him. So I, a lot of it has to do with the players you got. I mean, uh, Zimmer would like to play that way offensively, um, but Kevin Stefanski has the better offensive line. So, yeah. you know, it's not those two plot they're playing. Uh, it, a lot depends on your personnel. Um, but, yeah, after that first drive, it went the way the Browns – first drive went exactly how the Vikings wanted it to go, and then after that it was pretty much – not the way the Vikings wanted it to go. And, it, and the fact that it was a one-score game, low-scoring game, is, um, you know, testament to how you need the players to finish whatever your plans you have. Well, why is that? I mean, you know, we hear all this talk about scripted plays. And, you know, you wrote a story this week in which Miles Garrett said, who's a huge factor in the game, said that the, the Vikings looked great the first 15, their first scripted plays. But as soon as they go off the script, uh, they 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 took care of him. Why don't they script thirty plays then? You know, I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, what what's the uh, what's the adjustments that were made, and why couldn't the Vikings adjust the same way? And you know, go ahead. Well, I think it's you know it's it's not like just a script first fifteen. It's a first series. It's a it's yeah. a, a team you know that came out. Uh, I think Dalvin was a lot fresher in that first series than he was at any point in the rest of the game. Um, I also think that, uh, yeah, you got a new coordinator. Uh, it was very well thought out. I mean, it was 
moving to the left, moving to the right, uh, passing, short passing, and, and different things. But th the key to that first drive was Kirk Cousins went six for six for 59 yards and a touchdown. Not one time on those six passes was he pressured. Uh, the only time he was pressured on that drive is when he ran three yards over the line of scrimmage and threw that touchdown and got called for an illegal pass. Um, you know, that's after that, it, here's Joe, what Joe Woods did the next three plays. Well, uh, there was pressure up the middle, uh, Malik Jackson, and then he sent a safety on the front side and he sent a corner off the edge. Uh, they started mixing in more blitzing and that seemed to jumpstart just the pressure and maybe the, the offensive lines hesitation, their nervousness or whatever, Kirk's nervousness. And then the front four got involved with Miles Garrett. And uh, then things big went in the Browns' favor because after that, I mean, just to the un – I didn't have a pro football focus with me at the time, but I was just looking at pressures after that first drive. And there were like 18 pressures after that drive to where he's uh, it's, he's being affected by the pressure, whether that's, you know, Joe Woods sending – the safety sent in a corner a couple times. Uh, the front four just wearing out uh, the the Vikings offensive line. The game changed because the pressure after that first series was completely different than what Kirk saw in that first uh, drive. So, so what do they do? They you know they got their scripted plays in offense, and this, the defense lays back typically and says, "Okay, this is what they're dealing. This is what they're doing. This is what they're throwing at us." And then they they huddle and say, "Okay." That's how they looks like they're going to attack us. We're going to do this, you know. We're going to change up our thing here. We're going to start sending pressure. Is that is that is that a reasonable uh, thought process of what goes on on the sideline? Well, I don't think they lay back. They're you know they're trying. They got their plan. They you know, they're they're trying to feel out. They have to see what the Vikings are trying to do to them, just like any other team, yeah. uh, especially when you don't. You know, this isn't like them playing the Packers or the Bears or or the or the the Browns playing the Steelers or the Ravens or. You know, this is a team you play once every four years, and your roster changes dramatically in four years. Uh, so it's uh, it's interesting to watch. There's a little more of a chess match whenever you're talking about, um, you know, the team like this. You know, conference uh, inter uh, conference teams where the AFC versus the NFC, uh, yeah. and you know, the Browns offensively, the Browns. Uh, I don't think it had a lot to do with Baker Mayfield's uh, how horrible he was, but uh, dealing with that crowd, they've never you know. They, get used to a crowd like that, a stadium like that. Um, so, yeah, yeah it was it's just such a marked difference, though, Mark. I mean, you know, the Vikings couldn't have run a better drive, that opening drive, and then nothing. That's that's Well, that's yeah. Crazy. I don't think that Joe Woods sent any pressure on that first drive. Uh, mm -hmm. They assumed that they assumed, I think, with that they would be able to get pressure with the front four right away. Well, they didn't. And that's why I think you saw Joe get a little more, a lot more aggressive on that next series. I believe it was a three and out. Right. Uh, and it just seemed to really kickstart that defense. Uh, and then I, you know, Dalvin obviously wasn't a hundred percent because he disappeared for a large chunk of that, that game. And, and they try to bring him back in and uh, you know, two things, one, whenever they don't protect Kirk, they're a different team. And two, when Dalvin's not, not only just playing, but he has to be a hundred percent or, very close to 100% for them to be, you know, when that when they get those two things going, uh, you see, you know, a different type of team. You know, that you, you talked about pressure, and, and we'll get into the offensive line in a little bit, but, uh, and you brought up the Kirk going over the line of scrimmage. My goodness, he was over three or four. 
yards pass. And and, and I just got to say, as an aside, how in God's name is a professional quarterback not know the line of scrimmage is gone by that. I mean, he should have run it at that time. I thought he was wrong. But anyway, did we just see a microcosm of Kurt? It seems like the veil came down after the three weeks of him doing so well. And all of a sudden there was all this pressure in his face and he went right back to the Kirk of old where he was uh, freaking out a little bit and maybe, you know, checking down or, or not making good decisions. And clearly on that one, I mean, he, he, he jumped up in the pocket, which was great, but then he just kept going and, you know, he could have handed the ball to Justin Jefferson yeah. by the way he was going across the line. But uh, I, what, you know, what we saw from Kirk there has got to be a little concerning, I guess, after this great start that he had to the season. Or, or he could have maybe could have done a little Patrick Mahomes, a little under the little underhand shovel pass or something. I mean, that, that's that's yeah. in Kirk's game, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think I think you did see some. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a throwaway game for Kirk or a panic game for Kirk. Uh, you know, the records starting to get panic worthy, but um, you know, he had that long as a third and long third and twelve where he completes the ball deep to uh, he finds Jefferson. There was pressure there. But it was negated by a holding penalty. Conklin is blocking Miles Garrett. You know, good luck there. Um, you know, that was a case where I, I believe they also sent a blitz. So there's five, at least five rushers. Um, you know, that's not saying Kirk does this all the time, but that was a good example of he did. He was able to get through his progression, and he and he found Jefferson uh, yep. for that nice a nice completion there. But you don't, you know, that gets thrown away because of the, the hold on Conklin. So. Yeah, it's the same thing, same old thing with him. It, you got to protect him. You, ha- uh, you, he's not going to just magically uh, be able to go through his progressions. That's his strength: finding, you know, making good decisions quick, you know, relatively quickly by going through four and five progressions. Uh, if you don't give him the time to do that, and they get they get pressure up the middle, you know, it's a different game. And you know, you could say that about a lot of quarterbacks. A fewer in the NFL now because you're seeing more. Uh, guys that can just get out and run around and do it kind of on their own. But uh, he's not that guy. So you've got to build your team in a way that gives you the, you know, if he's behind Cleveland's offensive line, you know, I think Cleveland scores 40 points in that game. Yeah. Beckham, yeah. Beckham would, uh, Odell Beckham, let's put it this way, Odell Beckham Jr. on that day would, would probably like to have Kirk Cousins as opposed to what Baker put up. That's a good point. I mean, he, and I guess where, where does the fault lie in that, that the, the offensive line has not been built around him to protect him the way he needs to be, the decision to bring him in here when he needs that a lot. I mean, I, what, what do, where do you go from here when you know this is who your quarterback is and it doesn't look like at the moment they have the, the offensive line to protect him because uh, and later in the game the, the Browns were getting pressure with four guys. You know, constantly, right. time again, and it's like you, you can't have that. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, some of it would be it has to do with injuries. I mean, they they, they invested a, a first round pick in a left tackle that, uh, if he's healthy, maybe he's one of those day one starters. Like you know, Matt Khalil. We all you know kind of joke about Matt Khalil, but that first year, Matt Khalil came in and was a was a I believe a Pro Bowl left tackle his first year. Um, you know, they've they've tried. Uh, the center is a first-round draft pick. The left guard is a second-round draft pick. The right tackle, who's a really good player, he's an established player. He's a second-round draft pick. Um, so it, it, they're, they're trying. Uh, I just wonder if, if, if typical Vikings luck, it might be the line comes together. Maybe 
the year after Kirk is, they can no longer <laughs> afford to keep paying Kirk Cousins. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a matter of timing. It's, um, you know, Cleveland did it relatively quickly. They, they did use the free agency. Uh, you know, and the Vikings also got free agency with, with uh, when they had a rough situation, left tackle, they went and got Riley Reef. So, and Riley was you know, a pretty solid player for them. So there's, it's not like they're ignoring it. Like a lot of people say they're trying. It just no, hasn't they're, really come together yet. They're making the picks, but are they making the right picks? Maybe that's the question, but you know, then again, on, on Cleveland's uh, case, they also had a number of years where they're having lower or higher draft picks, you know, than the Vikings because they're the Vikings have always been in that middle zone where they're 17 to 25, you know, they're, they, they win enough games to get a late, a lower draft choice in the first round. And, and they miss out on some of these, these can't miss players. I mean, like Miles Garrett, my goodness, what a player that is. I, I when he blew up, uh, I think it was uh, Rashad Hill or was it Udo and sent him into Kirk and then just kept piling on over him and grabbing Kirk. It's like, oh my god, yeah. what a what yeah, a yeah, it, 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 yeah. It took Cleveland about fifteen number one overall picks to get to to Miles Garrett, I believe. You know, oh my, <laughs> uh, but that, you know, no, I, well, I don't know what the number is, but it's you know number one, number two every year. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. So they they're starting to to find uh, the blind squirrels finding some nuts here. So and they're they're putting a pretty good team together. But also getting back to the offensive line, it's it also you know they don't play in the preseason. Uh, we're at, we're at week four uh, with these new guys, and you know just two weeks ago, uh, Arizona's four and zero. They're the only undefeated team in the league. Two weeks ago, we were talking about how the offensive line played pretty darn well against a defense that had was coming off uh, you know like Chandler Jones was coming off six sacks the week before. So yeah, there has been you know two. Two good games, you know. I think where the offensive lines play well. Seattle, they played very well. I thought um, that was. It's not like they lost to. Uh, they lost to the Lions here. Uh, yeah, that's me catching flies. Uh, that they that they uh, lost to to the Lions. Now, you know, if they lose to the Lions, this could be a very. We, there might not be any more Vikings podcasts after that, right? Very nice, Mark. Way to set up that that horror show for us. Uh, you know. Just going back to Cleveland just a little bit, um, boy, oh, boy, uh, they did not get the best uh, a game out of their quarterback, and they still, with a very stout running game or stout defense and an excellent rushing attack, just manhandled what we thought was a pretty decent team that was uh, at home and should have been on the rise after their win against Seattle. Our, our, I mean – with, with a defense like that and a running attack like that and a quarterback who, who has played better than he did on Sunday, they, you got to really think about him in the AFC, don't you? They, they, they got to be a, a team that uh, has a chance if they get the, the right quarterback play to, to go pretty far. Well, if you look at the AFC right now, they're, the Browns are three and one, but they're the eighth seed in the AFC right now. So they're, they're out of the playoff picture right now. I mean, it's got a long way to go, but just yeah. tells you what you're, what you're dealing with in the AFC. Uh, and then you have also have Kansas City, who's not in there, that, who will be in there when it's time. So, uh, you know, that AFC South is going to get a spot with who knows? Maybe they'll get a, a seven and ten or a nine and or eight and nine team in there. Uh, who knows? So, uh, yeah, they're in the toughest division in football right now. Uh, it's it's funny because you know it's the best division in football, and the Steelers, you know team that's always there is not there they're one and three and the other three are three and one 
Yeah, it'll it'll be fun to watch anyway. Um, and you know, I guess I have to continue talking about the Vikings. I'm not sure I want to, but uh, <laughs> the Vikings' rushing defense was not very good on Sunday. Um, Michael Pierce came in injured, uh, had a shoulder and a elbow, I think, but he was cleared to play. Uh, Sheldon Richardson, I'm, I'm understanding is not exactly a run stopper. Uh, you know, they really built up this, this unit in the off season and I thought they had some depth, but, uh, boy, they got, they got, uh, plowed under on Sunday and that, that's just not good. Yeah. I, I, I don't see it as, as, uh, as dominated as, as much as you like, you see it. Uh, you know, they had that 33 yard run at the end of the end of the half. That was a tor- terrible play. Uh, you, you know. I think they had like they came up like uh, 98 yards rushing in the first half on 20 carries. Now that that's that's bad, and obviously that play was terrible. But you know the other 19 carries are for 65 yards, like a three-three average. Um, now they also they, in the second half they got worn down, but they didn't have Michael Pierce um, for most or if not all of that second half. Uh, this I, you know whenever I watched like the Saints game last year, that was embarrassing. That was being dominated. That was being humiliated. That was having like absolutely no personnel left to play an NFL game. Really, uh, this one I saw as you know. I mean, they, they made the Browns earn most of everything they got, except for that thirty-three yard run. Um, you know, they stopped them on fourth down in the red zone. They would have stopped them again in the red zone if not for a penalty. Um, so the Browns had to work for it and the Browns are an extremely good running team with a really good offensive line and the two best backs, I would say the two combination of the two best, most powerful backs that are in the league. Um, so, you know, it's not like, again, it's not like they lost to some, you know, really bad team. Um, yeah, that's a good point. But, you know, 184 yards rushing, and you can take away that 33-yard, and that's still 150 on the ground. And, and uh, uh, it, it could have been so much – I think the game was worse than the score indicated. You know, it's a one-score game at the end. that The Vikings had a chance to tie up and go into overtime late. Fine. That's technically the truth. But uh, when you watch it from a Viking standpoint, they were getting trucked often by Hunt and, and uh, Chubb. Well, and, yeah. I, I, well, that, I just think when they put the game in in in, in the the moments into Baker Mayfield's hands, for some reason he was Kirk Cousins like feeling the rush and just making uh, bad throws at the wrong time. It, it could have been so much worse. I guess that's well, yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know that Kirk's ever been that inaccurate that inaccurate in his life uh, as bad as Baker. Baker had some throws uh, <laughs> with with no pressure that was mm-hmm. that were just high school like. Um, you know, I, I, I do, I do believe that the Brown, that Vi- the Browns wore them down, uh, yeah. and without, you know, maybe it's a different, a little bit different game with Michael Pierce in there. Um, but yeah, I didn't see it as embarrassing. I saw it as, you know, they, they, you know, they couldn't stop the run, uh, but they didn't get, weren't getting gashed, uh, like that 33 yard run, the way the defense is playing it with that, at that point in the game, Nick Vigil has to make that tackle at about eight yards you know, eight, 10 yards, whatever. Uh, but he misses that tackle, that spot where he's supposed to be. And then it just gets out of hand. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, they had to definitely have to be better stopping the run, especially when a team can do that. Uh, but 
that's what the Browns are built to do. And that, and that, that's the kind of game that travels, you know, it, it does well in Cleveland when it's December, it does well when it's in Pittsburgh or Cincinnati in December. Um, that's just, that's who they are. That's who Zimmer would like to be. Cause that's, you can throw out so many variables when you're able to run the ball like that. That's why guys like Zimmer, um, that's what they want. You brought up Nick Vigil. Um, yeah, there's all this talk this weekend coming out of Zimmer's mouth that he expects Anthony Barr to play on Sunday. What are you hearing? What do you, what do you think? Do you think that will happen? What kind of knee problems he got? I know nobody knows, but do you have any any thoughts on what the heck's going on with Barr and why we haven't seen him? And and you know it might have made a difference on Sunday had he been in there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Nick Vigil has played very well. Nick Vigil yeah. has made a lot of plays. You know. Uh, I, I, I bring up that play, uh, but I'd say overall, Nick Vigil's been really good. Uh, I think this is a time for, for Anthony Barr to come back if he's ready. I mean, he seemed like he would, he practiced, it was limited or he practiced all of last week, which means typically he would, you'd play uh, if you're ready. Um, you know, maybe it's the fact that they, hey, we won a game or everything seemed to work against Cincinnati or Seattle. Let's kind of keep it the way it is. That's sort of why you don't, you know, People talking about Darisaw playing last week. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna throw him in the first his first experience is gonna be uh playing Miles Garrett. You know, you gotta pick and choose your times, I think. Plus he has he's only been practicing two or three weeks. So yeah. uh yeah, I would think you'd see Anthony Barr. It's time. He's one of their he's one of the highest played player paid players. Uh he's ready. He might have been ready last week. I would think he's definitely ready now. Yeah. No, you can't throw Darisaw's first experience in the NFL against Miles Garrett. I mean, you, you might break him for life, <laughs> if, yeah, mentally. But uh, well, how about yeah, back you to can, go ahead? Yeah, and you get yeah. You get, I mean, now that you get Barr on the field, uh, assuming he's healthy, uh, you get Nick Vigil as your third linebacker. Right. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Blake Lynch plates had some nice plays, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that improves your overall. Uh, Run defense, I think, uh, because you have, you know, uh, your the guy who has been your second best linebacker uh, playing is not going to be not playing as many snaps, but he's going to play be your third guy. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's time for Barr to come back because hey, hey, it's it's getting late early here for these guys. Yeah, it's a quarter of the way through, kind of, well, almost a quarter of the way, I guess. Uh, we got uh, the secondary that we need to talk about a little bit. They. Uh, you know, the, the, the defense only gave up two touchdowns, but it could have been so much worse. And, and uh, you know, Breland was out early with an illness, and, and uh, uh, Cam, Cam Dantzler came in for him, and he got torched at one time or another, but played pretty well. Um, but now he's going to be out this week. Um, what, what can we do in the secondary that's going to make things any better? Because, you know – if a team doesn't have a rushing attack, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not that worried about the Lions, but there's some there's some good quarterbacks coming down the pike for this team that they're going to have to play. And uh, um, I don't have a lot of confidence in what's going on back there. Even Patrick Peterson, he, he still makes plays and does a good job, but uh, they're just not solid in my mind. Oh, I mean, yeah. Breland, uh, he's out with an illness, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not doubting that he had an illness. So I think he was sick in practice, but um, you know he's going to have to step it up. We've we've said this since since week one. Uh, Peterson, we may not know just how good he is because they don't really need to to go after him. 
Uh, there has been some times where you look at it, it's like, yeah, you know, there's a reason that Patrick Peterson was available. Uh, these guys don't play forever and they, they get older. Uh, I still think he's a good enough player that they can win with. But the rush, which I would anticipate the rush will take care of the cover this week. Um, you got Jared Goff, you got him at the Metrodome, and, you know, they don't protect him very well. I would imagine that uh, the secondary will look a lot better because the, the rush will be a lot better. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, there was three plays on Sunday when uh, the coaches went for it on fourth down. We had the first one where Zimmer Zimmer went, uh, I think it was fourth and maybe one Six. early. The first oh, one. Fourth and one, yeah. First one, yeah. yeah fourth and one, yeah. That he got, which I thought was a good call. I thought it was the right call to make. It was nice to see that aggressiveness. And it led to the touchdown, didn't it? I believe so. It, it yes, it did, yeah. And then there was the second one. It looked like uh, – well, the second one came from Stefanski where he went on fourth and four. And yep. uh, did you did you like that call? Was that the right call to make at that time, did you think? I think so because, uh, you know, and Stefanski addressed it afterwards. He said uh, basically he's anticipating a high-scoring game. He knows the Vikings offense. He knows where he's at. He knows that kicking. He thought that kicking field goals wasn't going to beat the Vikings in Minnesota, an offense averaging thirty points a game, and the, and they went right down the field. So, no, I thought that that's that's was a, was a good move. Uh, this is also just where the NFL is going. I mean, I think we're seeing so many. We're seeing high scoring games. We're seeing games that go down to the wire. We're seeing. It's almost like when the, these guys have gotten to the point where giving up a possession is. You know, like, oh my gosh, you know, we can't do this. We got to at least try and then rely on our defense. You know, and uh, also Stefanski had, you know, his defense got pushed down the field, uh, so that was a little bit of a risk. Uh, you know, going for it, but I like that call. I also like Zimmer's call. Uh, yeah, they were they were leading seven nothing, and it's what fourth and six at the yeah thirty six. Um, so, you know, he's given up a fifty four yard field goal attempt. For uh, to try and go for it, uh, if you punt it, you get a net. Of, if you have a great punt, you get a net of like thirty inside the ten there. Um, but I think he also was thinking that you know he's not going to play a low. He, uh, neither one of them, I thought, thought they were going to be involved in a fourteen-seven game. Yeah, I, you know, and the thing that came up later, I, I was, I was, I could have gone either way on that fourth and six. Obviously, it's easy on hindsight when they don't make it to, to criticize it. But the, the other thing too is uh, Joseph was on the injury list, uh, Greg Joseph, the kicker. So it's like, you know, maybe a 54-yard field goal isn't the best idea for him. Would have looked nice on the scoreboard if he made it, but, you know, it's just something you have to consider. So I guess sure. I'm all right with it too. Um, you, you brought up the point. That's the way the league's going. You know, what do you think? You, I, I kind of like it. I love the the drama of going for it on fourth and down, whether it's uh, the defense I'm pulling for that's stopping them or the offense that's going for it because you want to see your team continue to have the ball. I, I, I If that is a trend, I, I like it. What, what do you think about it? Oh, I, I like it too. And I like, I like the uh, – we were talking about this last week when, when – uh, Brandon Staley from the Chargers went for it on fourth down, uh, giving up a, a field goal as a tie game, and he gives up a field goal. Uh, I forget how, how long it was, but he knows he's playing Patrick Mahomes. He knows that if he, he kicks that field goal, Patrick Mahomes is going to go down the field and, and you know, certainly kick a, have him kick a field goal 
you just see it all the time. We saw it with Aaron Rodgers uh, two weeks ago, you, Tom Brady. It's been happening. There's 15 games have been decided in the last uh, the last snap or overtime. So, yeah, I like it. I like it. And these coaches are realizing, especially when they're playing a Patrick Mahomes or or, or Rodgers or something. They, yeah, you just they they almost have to start going for it to keep the ball and try and score more points. Boy, but they're they're setting themselves up for so much criticism. You know, if you make it, you're a hero. If sure. You, if you don't, you're you're just you're gonna get annihilated. Um, but you know, I guess it comes with the job. They're they're, they're well compensated. Those coaches. Yeah, you I can't think. you can't coach like that because you'll get you're getting ripped for no matter. Yeah. yeah, you're getting ripped no matter what. I had Zimmer calling right now. He he didn't like yeah. the last comment that made. So Mike, I'll talk to you later. Uh, uh, Mark, you this week you you wrote a story well, after the game. You wrote a story about Joe Wood's scheme. I mean, and, and I liked how you started the story about who's the winner, Stefanski or Zimmer. Hey, it was Joe Woods, you know. And you're exactly right. Can you can you just talk a little bit about what you think he did to to neutralize the Vikings? Because the the time of possession was 35-25. I mean, my goodness, you, you, you're not going to win ball games that way. And uh, uh, Joe Joe Woods took care of him. Well, I think what what like what we saw, like we talked about, was that you know that that first drive, six Kirk makes six pass attempts, completes six balls. It looks easy. It's pitch and catch because nobody's near him. There was no pressure whatsoever on those six plays. Uh, like I said, the only pressure was whenever he ran over the line. After that, next time the Vikings got the ball, he's pressured on three or four of his first pass attempts. Two of them are you know a safety blitz. On the front side, I believe, and a corner blitz off the blind side, and uh, and then he so he, he started bringing more people, and uh, later in the game he brought the cor- the same corner, I think on the other side. So he varied things enough to where I think it threw the it made the Vikings think more, hesitate a little bit more, and then when they do that, you know that front four just took over, like Miles Garrett took over, um, uh, Tack McKinley had a sack. Uh, uh, Malik in the middle, uh, Malik Jackson was too much for, you know, once again, a big, strong <laughs> nose tackle, which there's a lot of those guys in the league, big and strong nose tackles. Uh, they give Garrett uh, Bradbury issues. And that's another thing that, you know, not only left tackle, do you have to, or you have to start worrying or thinking more about to get Derrissaw in there, you know, maybe Wyatt Davis can play center. I don't know. I mean, it's uh that's that's you know Bradbury has got to be a little stronger against these bigger guys. Yeah, it uh, you know it certainly comes down to size and strength, but it also comes down to what gets in your head and and you know certainly we see that with Kirk when when he gets uneasy, uncomfortable, he starts a little happy feet, a little uh, quick decisions, a little wrong decisions, and I suppose it happens on the line too. I mean, we all look at this game as X's and O's, and Vikings should be doing this because they were said we're supposed to do that, and blah 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 blah, but. I mean, if you if you start early and you put some hits on the linemen that you're facing against and get through them and get to the quarterback, everything changes, doesn't it? I mean, maybe this is an obvious statement, but I, I think there's so much more to the emotion and humanness of these players than we allow as onlookers and observers or fans that say expect them just to be robots and do the thing. It, it's 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 really there, there's a mind game goes on there as a result of the physicality of the sport, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, sure. I mean, um, you know, my, there's a reason. If you, 
you know, Miles Garrett against Rashad Hill. No offense to Rashad Hill, but that's a mismatch because it's a physical mismatch. Just like Daniil Hunter against 99% of the league is a physical mismatch. Um, now, you, you can do things to help them, but whenever they're left one-on-one, you know, the guy who's bigger, faster, stronger, better is going to win. And a lot of times we, you know, people watching the game will just be saying, well, you know, it, it does become more X's and O's than, than I think the game was ever. <laughs> I mean, the game X's and O's is a big part of the game, but it's still a physical team game that uh, people don't yeah. seem to, people don't seem to appreciate. The other part of it is too, I mean, I, I just think to my dad always growing up, whenever we complain about, uh, uh, how poorly the Vikings did and what happened in the game. He said, well, you know, there's another team on the other side that has something to say about how things go. And it's yeah. the truth with every fan. I, I, so I've always carried that in my head thinking, yeah, yeah, Vikings got beat by a better team on Sunday, wouldn't you say, Mark? So, yeah, your dad told you your first cliche. That's why you became a sports writer, right? <laughs> <laughs> Started me down that road. That's right. Um. Well, there's one one bright spot that uh, we can shine a, a light on, and that's the special teams. They they played well again, but they weren't called on to do a whole heck of a lot, you know, other than punting. And so, I, I don't know if you have anything to say about the special teams. But, well, uh, I would I would add one big uh, negative to that one was uh, the special teams led to uh, them going for two. It's a uh, so. So the special teams calls a timeout when they don't have timeouts because there's 12 people on the field. So that's a kind of a – that's what I uh, – in my five extra points in the Star Tribune, I gave Mike Zimmer a win too because – or um, Mike Prefer a win too because I said he didn't have a uh, 12 men on a, on a freaking uh, PAT defense that they had to call a timeout. And then Stefanski, to his credit, jumps on it, uses that extra yard to go for two, gets it easily, and – and now it's an 8-7 game, which becomes an 11-7 game. It, it changes the game. So, yeah, but, I, you know, I, I, but to your point, I, I, I love the punter. I, I, I'm, I have to watch Pittsburgh's punter because uh, so far it's been like, wow, if they found someone better than that, you know, hats off because uh, this guy's been pretty good, I think. Yeah. Uh, one, one last question on, on this game, and we can bury it in the Netherlands forever. Uh, the calls for Zimmer's head are getting – even louder than they were before. No. Uh, uh, yes. So where do you think we are on that front? Is it, uh, uh, is this really a thing or is he safe until another implosion? I mean, if, you know, like you said earlier, if they lose to the lions, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, you know, I, I get, I get texts during the game, right after the game from friends that saying this regime has got to go. It's all their fault. Blah, 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 blah. And there's some truth to that, you know, because they 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 built it and they game plan it and send it out there. But ultimately, the players have to have to make the plays. But you know, what do you think is uh, is Zimmer's hot seat uh, hotter hotter than July? What what's going on? So say, are you asking if it's real that people are calling for his head? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. uh, it's just the way it is. Um, yeah, I mean, let's put it. I feel that I don't. I don't see him getting fired in season. I don't see the Wilfs doing that again. Um, uh, but you know, I, I, okay. Just take all the take everything out of it. You know, take who the coach is, the situation. What this situation this weekend uh, reminds me of is 
sort of like when Childress was uh, at the end and he went and lost 31 to three to the Packers and got fired. Uh, now some other things led into that, but this has a fire the coach feel to it. If they were to go and lose the Lions and get embarrassed, but I don't think that would happen, but it has that feeling to me of, holy crap, you better win this game and you better not uh, go in and have the Lions do something crazy like and make you look bad because then that seat gets as hot as any seat could possibly get, I think. I don't think he's going to get fired after if he were to lose the Lions, but I would get the sense that it's over um, because it's hard to come back from something like that. Um, that being said, you know, I fully expect him to handle the Lions and get a lot of frustration out on the Lions because it's in it's in, it's in that stadium uh, with the perfect quarterback to get after the rush. Uh, you know, I see him winning big. Now that doesn't save you, but as I do, I do think that unless they lose half the team to injury like they did last year, if, if he doesn't make the playoffs, I think he's in trouble. Well, there you heard it, Mike. I left Mike on speakerphone over here, so he heard. Yeah, I, I, hey, you know, the thing is, when I've talked to him about this, you know, pressure and, you know, are you coaching for your job and all this stuff, he, he says the same thing that a lot of people say. He knows. Uh, they're not stupid. Uh, they know how the profession works. Now, he, he saw Marvin Lewis get a lot, a lot of, you know, rope in Cincinnati because that's just how the that, that franchise works. Um Pittsburgh, obviously, but there's lots more success involved in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doesn't change; they change coaches every 30 years. Um, but other than you know, other than, than very limited situations, uh, these guys know. I mean, they're you know, they, they they can't lose for very long, or they're out the door. And he knows that. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully not yet. Hopefully they can turn it around, and uh, that starts uh, this Sunday when they go against the Lions. So we'll we'll take a quick break here. And we'll be back to, to preview the Lions and, and talk a little bit more about a story you wrote before the game. I wanted to at, pick your brain about a little bit, but we'll be right back. Welcome back to Vikings Territory Breakdown with Mark Craig from the Star Tribune and myself, your your downtrodden host who saw the Vikings go to one and three. And they have to pick it up next week uh, when they go against the Lions. But before we talk about that, Mark, uh, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the story you did on uh, on Kevin Stefanski in the preview uh, of the of the Vikings Cleveland game. I mean, you are a native Clevelander, and and uh, you've known Kevin Stefanski for how many years? Because you've been covering him. He's been there. I mean, you're, you're one of the few guys that's been around with the Vikings longer than he has. But and you did some really good reporting, and 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 a lot of people really noticed. I saw a lot of people talking about the story online, but. Uh, what can you uh, tell me about that report? What was that? What was that like? You 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 got you talked to a, a few people and it, it, it turned into a, a really great story. It was all designed around getting me back to Cleveland so I could play golf with my buddies. So it started there. Uh, no, it's you know he's coach of the year. He's coming in. There's a um, you know there's a, a good story about guys who have been offensive coordinators for Zimmer and you know Zim's up to what six of them in eight years, but it's a kind of a fascinating thing because two of them got head coaching jobs. Uh, one of them got fired because he didn't realize he, uh, he was, he thought he was the boss when he wasn't the boss. Uh, one guy quit because, you know, he was a little uh, North quit because he basically uh, didn't like to be told what to do anymore or 
asked to change things, I think. Uh, so, yeah, I talked to, to Pat Shermer, talked to, to Norv, um, spent some time. You know, Kevin wasn't doing another good reason to go there. Uh, it's kind of funny because this is how we did things back in the day. And, 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 and in the Star Tribune's defense, we, do, we, we still do these types of stories, which is almost foreign in our business anymore. As you go to the story instead of if they don't call you, then you just don't do a story. So Kevin didn't also didn't talk to the media this past week. Uh, they get, you know, they've now given the coaches the option of whether to do conference calls. Well, they're, none of them are taking that option to do it. Um, so we went there and, and he agreed wow. to sit down and talk. Uh, I thought he was pretty open, um, you know, about being blocked to go to the heat. You know, Pat Shermer tried to hire him with the Giants. Right. He got blocked right. by Zimmer. Um, yeah, talking about how it stung. And yeah, it kind of makes you mad at first, but you can see how, why Zimmer and Spielman did that. And he compared it to his sit down and talk he had with David Najoku, his tight end who, you know, demanded a trade uh, as soon as, you know, Kevin basically walked to the door. Um, <clears throat> Kevin had to sit down. It, it's also a story about how, how Kevin, just his personality, the way his demeanor, um, how, how it really meshes with today's NFL, today's NFL player. Uh, so it, obviously they, Case Keenum's there, Afadi's there, um, handful of coaches, yeah. including Joe Woods. I talked to Joe Woods for for a while. I don't know that I used any of his quotes, but I jokingly said, "Hey, I got to go back to Cleveland and do a story on Joe Woods now because he was the <laughs> star. He stole the show." So yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun. A lot of people, you know, you know, agreeing to to, to interviews, and uh, it, was, it was it was a fun story to do, and uh, and uh, thought it turned out pretty well, and. Um, you know, but Kevin being coach of the year and coming back, it was, uh, it was a natural story for us to do. And I'm glad that the uh, Star Tribune and put the investment in doing it. You think, uh, Stefanski, you know, he was complimentary of Zimmer, you know, having worked for, him for a few years, you think he was being genuine there or just, just playing nice before the game? I think he was being genuine and I think he has reason to, to be thankful to, to Zimmer. Zimmer retained him number one, yeah. uh, in 2014, uh, uh, Zimmer gave him his first uh, position coaching job, uh, tight ends, I believe. Uh, but then up until that point, he was Chili's gopher for two years, and then he was assistant quarterbacks coach, and then he got his actual first position. And then, even though he didn't name him coordinator when Shermer left, he turned to him after Filippo got fired, and uh, and the guy got a head coaching job, you know, underneath Zimmer. So, you know, uh, now, sure, I mean – it's only natural that a guy is going to be like upset that he got blocked or yeah. he know, and he knew that, uh, where, see where he, what separates the Kevin Stefanski's of the world and the John D. Filippo's of the world is Kevin Stefanski knows who the boss is. He knows who's, who's putting the, the team together and he accepts that and he works, does the best he can with that. D. Filippo said, screw, you know, screw you. I'm going to throw it on third and one and, and fire me if you want to fire me. And well, eventually he did. And so, uh, Kevin, you know, the patience of Kevin, the patience ability of Kevin, Kevin has zero ego where, uh, so he ended up, you know, getting a head coaching job and he felt, but doesn't, um, well, I, that, that is it's, it Zimmer's had a tortured life with offensive coordinators since he's been here in Minnesota. And you know, one of those was Norv Turner. Uh, Norv didn't want to talk about the divorce. Uh, did did uh, uh, can you shed any light on that? Was there any more to the discussion with Norv about how his time here and how it ended so badly? 
Well, not in that particular instance. Uh, you know, I, I think what, you know, Norv, uh, and, and tortured life is, is relative because, uh, you know, like. I don't uh, see it a lot of other coordinators. And I mean, this well, doesn't seem to happen a lot as much as it's happened here. Well, but, you know, look at Patch, what Pat Shermer did with uh, a backup quarterback, a backup running back in 2017. That yeah. they, they go to the NFC Championship game with, with, with Pat Shermer. Uh, doing a heck of a job at offensive coordinator. Now it's not Zimmer's fault that they no. did so well that he, that he gets the Giants job. Uh, Kevin Stefanski in 2019 does a heck of a job. Uh, they go and they upset the Saints in New Orleans, and he gets a head coaching job. So, and then uh, you know Gary, you know, he has Gary Kubiak there. Gary Kubiak, um, and there's nothing between Zimmer and Gary Kubiak. I can guarantee that. So Gary Kubiak. Coached a year in the pandemic. This is a guy who was physically and mentally worn out about five years ago when he retired. Comes back to be a consultant to kind of get his feet back in it a little bit. Becomes the coordinator because that's his personality. That's who he is. He was a team guy. Saw that they need. There was a need there. Takes it on. There's a pandemic, which was heck. You know, that thing was hell on all these these coaches and players last year. That's the one thing people don't really realize just what these guys went through, you know, to put that product on the field when no one was in the stands. And uh, so, he, you know, he retires. Um, so now you got, you know, Clint. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Norv was the first one. Uh, they probably, those two did butt heads. And obviously, Filippo was flamed out pretty quick. Those two, although, you know, the first year, two years with Norv, they did win the NFC Championship or uh, NFC North. That second year, so they were doing pretty good with with Teddy and and the way that uh, that Zimmer wants to play. They were pretty on, pretty much on the same page. It's when Teddy got hurt, uh, you know. Then I think Norv uh, reached a point where, uh, and Zimmer, I'm sure his temper uh, was like, "Hey, you know, I'm giving you like you're the you're you're in charge of the offense, but hey, I'm seeing this, this, and this. Fix it." And Norv by that time. Norv's feeling the, that there's eyes over his shoulder with Pat Shermer being there. And I think Norv just said, you know what? You can do a better job. I'm out of here. And that's, uh, he wasn't fired. He quit. And he did it. And Zimmer did it all with one eye. Now, Mike, <laughs> I didn't say that it was your fault. I said it was tortured. Your, your, his, this, this, in his tenure here, and what is it, eight? Offensive coordinators now that he's on, it's incredible. Well, I mean, I, well, it's six, six and eight years, but hey, Joe, are you listening? Knock, knock, knock. I mean, two of them got head, two of them in, in, eight, in eight years, or two of them in, 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 two of them in seven years got head coaching job. I know. And that's what I'm saying. It's tortured for Mike because it, it oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. For he sure. doesn't yeah. deserve it, you know, to have this. I mean, and some of it might have been. I don't know behind the scenes. Some of it might have been self-inflicted, but generally, I mean, I, I sent out a tweet last week saying I think we need to pump the brakes on on complimenting Clint Kubiak so much because all of a sudden they're going to come shopping for him and he's going to be gone because he did a, a nice job the first weeks. It's well, it's, Joe, when, you, when you're one, when you're one and three, they're not shopping for you. So you're you're, you're okay there. You're okay there. It's like you're it's right. like. It's like losing to Bowling Green. They're not, if you lose to Bowling Green, they're not shopping for you anymore. All right, I agree. That this was before the Cleveland game, but you know, because everybody was saying, "Hey, Clint Kubiak is calling great games," and I, and I'm hoping hoping that continues. But I would love for one for one two years stint that they they 
the quarterback and the and the head coach get an offensive coordinator that can build on. I mean, it, it's it's almost in those eight years that what it's almost been one and done, or you know, maybe somebody's been here two years, but it's not very much. So it, it, it's it, it's it's uh, it's it stinks. I think you know, but you you, you do well and you're rewarded. I don't blame Zimmer a bit for blocking Kevin Stefanski, you know, and I, I, you know, do you think that now that we can look in hindsight that the Vikings made a mistake, they should have let Zimmer go and hire Stefanski at this time because he's the young and up and coming coordinator. I mean, I don't know this. It's, it's all gets. A no, lot I mean, that's, that, that's easy to say because, you know, Kevin walked, you know, it's hard to say this about Cleveland, but Kevin walked into a good situation in Cleveland. I mean, it finally got, finally got to a point where I think, they were kind of ready for someone like him. Whereas when Pat Shermer was going in there and uh, like Childress, when he went in as offensive coordinator, it was like Childress was like, you know, brought up the old, uh, we put the fun in dysfunction. I mean, uh, Childress told me that his first practice, heading out to the first practice, Shermer's uh, assistant comes in and says, hey, the coaching staff needs to meet. And he said, well, why are we meeting? It's, it's like a minute from our first practice. He said, oh, by the way, uh, the Browns just got sold. Uh, the new owner is going to be in this in the crowd watching us. Again, Zimmer goes, ah, because how our um, Childress goes, how's that for your first uh, your first practice heading out? You know, they've been sold, and the owner's out there. You haven't met him yet, so uh, it's it's been a kind of a revolving door for them. Uh, but uh, you know, I think you know Kevin is in a, was a good spot, and I think they got uh, uh, the way it's set up now. Believe you know, knock on wood for Cleveland is that uh, Andrew Berry, their general manager, and. Uh, and uh, Stefanski works so well together that uh, it made better sense for those two to be together than for George Payton to be hired and work with Stefanski. Yeah. Oh, it's been crazy. I, it's, it's, uh, I'd love to see some continuity. I like what I see out of Clint Kubiak so far. I hope it continues, but uh, only time will tell. I guess it, things could be worse. We could be doing the line. Oh, and four. Yeah, we could be doing the Lions territory breakdown. Uh, we we should give them their due. The Vikings can't overlook anybody uh, anymore at one and three. If if they do, they they will get what they deserve. Uh, Mike, Mark, what do you think? Uh, what do you, you know? What do you see with that over in Detroit? They got a new coach and a new quarterback, and they've got uh, uh, you know they have not shown well so far yet this year. Well, yeah, they're a 66-yard field goal, a record 66-yard field goal from being the same record as the Vikings. Uh, you know, I, I saw some good things. I, th I thought they played first half against the Packers I liked, um, second half against the 49ers, uh, I think in week one. You know, they showed some life. Uh, Goff's had some – I think Goff played fair, has played fairly well. Uh, uh, throwing the ball, he played well last week, but – uh, hanging on to the ball. I mean, people get on Kirk Cousins, but uh, you want to say typical Lions, uh, they got first and goal at the eight, they fumble the ball. First and goal at the five, they, I think, turned it over on downs. First and goal at the nine, they fumble the ball. Well, Goff lost two fumbles in the red zone um, because he's a stationary target. Uh, I think they don't rush the passer very well. They don't protect the passer that great. And they're playing at U.S. Bank Stadium against a team that's probably going to just uncork and, and unload on them. Uh, and like I said, if they if that doesn't happen and the, and the Lions win and they make them look bad, it's it's it'll be as bad as I as we've seen here in a long time. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that field goal. I, you know, the Lions were the team that got that Tom Dempsey for the Saints kicked a 63 yarder to set the record a long time ago, and I remember. 
aging myself, but I watched that that kick on TV and I, I had gotten a tape recorder for some Christmas or something. So I taped Don Cricky's uh, play-by-play call, but it, and it was awesome because he just went wild, you know, and they repeated it on CBS News and I taped it and, and I'd play it over and over. It was kind of one of those soundtracks that's in the back of your head. And I'm sure all the listeners were are now much happier that I've shared that with them. Um, the same score, same final too, 1970. Was it? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it just it just got over it. They, they were talking, they had people measuring the trajectory of the kick, how, how he had to kick it with, uh, to, to get it over from that distance. Now here we are with, you know, the 66 yarder, which bounced off the, uh, the cross beam and, and went through. It's amazing. It's a football. It's fun that way that, you know, it, 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 the greatest thing about football is the shape of the ball. And it, it has so many different bounces and causes fumbles and all these different things. But, uh, well, you know, uh, the Vikings have to win on Sunday and uh, there's no two ways about it. It is a must win for all those that like to call these games as such. And, um, you know, I, we even this in this segment we talked about who's going to win, and I think you kind of said already that you think the Vikings are going to win. And my reverse jinx last week didn't help the Vikings beat Cleveland, so I guess I'm going to get back on the bandwagon and, and pick the Vikings to win in a in a in a rebound game that they desperately need. How about you? Oh yeah, I mean I I think they'll blow them out. I think it'll be 34-10, 34-13. So I think the Lions, you know, they played some close games. Uh, but they're at that breaking point now. They also are the only team that hasn't had a win, so maybe there's there's that desperation there. Uh, but I don't see it happening, um, just because of this. This shapes up as, like I said, the Vikings uh, rush the passer well. They're at home. Uh, the Lions have a stationary quarterback, and they can't protect him, and they can't rush the passer very well. Which I think Kirk Cousins has a big game. Jared Goff has a horrible game, and uh, they go at least they, they go to Carolina, you know, feeling better about themselves. Because of these pocket passers, I guess we'll have to name this the Statue Bowl going forward. Yeah, there's not. Uh, although Kirk did outrush uh, Kyler Murray, that's, so that's right, he did. Well, um, that knows- yeah, Kirk. This is the game where Kirk Cousins is the Kyler Murray of the game. Because <laughs> the other All guy right. is the other guy is wearing like. 40-pound boots or something. I can't wait to remind you of that comment next week. Um, all right. Well, we're, we'll take a break there, and then we're going to come back with our uh, our section where we picked a, the NFL insider's brain on what's going on around the league and, and talks about some of the, the highlights that uh, we've seen. There's always, there's always one each week. There's plenty each week in the NFL. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Vikings Territory Breakdown, and this is our – Inside the NFL segment with uh, with Mark Craig, the Star Tribune's NFL writer, the only guy in town with a vote for the Hall of Fame. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, if I do this podcast long enough, he'll vote for me in the the writers part of the Hall of Fame. No, yeah, no. you're you're like the you're like a 43rd ballot lock shoe in. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's talk about the Packers. Joe, Joe, uh, you you were you were all American back in the day, but there were a lot fewer Americans. No, that's true. That's true. Well, you know, you can. That's a cliche, can, almost. You can't you can't compare eras. You know, you got to play with what you know, like with what you do, what you were given at the time you were you were allowed to do so. So there it is. Packers are getting a little separation in the NFC North, Mark. Uh, they they uh, 
Steelers came out, scored a touchdown on them, and they said, oh, this ain't right. So they turned everything around and they steamrolled them. So uh, uh, it's going to be tough for the Vikings. You know, I, I don't see a wild card coming out of the NFC North. Yeah. Because you got the Packers. I mean, you got the Lions and the Bears who are really not doing well, and the Vikings who are one and three. So uh, they got to win the division to get into the playoffs, and uh, the Packers are making some moves. Yeah, I mean it's you know with that extra that extra uh, playoff spot, you never know. But uh, it certainly doesn't look like they'll um, you know get get one of those wild card spots. So yeah, I mean the Packers have always been the target, and they've always had the quarterback uh, at least in the past uh, thirty years or so. Um, so yeah, that they're always the that's always the benchmark. Yeah, well, well, hopefully when the Vi- the Vikings are gonna have to sweep them to do anything against them this year, so we'll see what we'll see if they're and able to and all, if the Vikings can, I mean, they gotta win, they gotta win some of these games uh, just to kind of give themselves themselves a chance because you know when when given the opportunity, uh, like last year when they were scrambling for their lives after starting what one and five and they they get to six and six, they did go in at, uh, to Lambeau. Uh, now, granted, there was there weren't any fans there or hardly any fans. And they beat the Packers in Lambeau with using like seven rookie defensive players. So if they can, you know, just stay in the hunt, uh, they, they can beat the Packers. Uh, they've proven that they can beat the Packers even when they're under man. Stuff happens in the NFL. Uh, speaking of which, you 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 told me you wanted to talk about this, uh, how the Bills were two shutouts in the first four games this year. T- tell me a little bit about that. How rare that is in the NFL. Yeah, uh, you know, Leslie Frazier, who's a uh, uh, defensive coordinator. Now, Leslie uh, works for a defensive-minded head coach in Sean McDermott, but Leslie calls the defense, has very involved in the defense. He's not just a, a figurehead that just sits, stands there and does anything, nothing. Uh, only, uh, the 91 Washington team and the 2000 Ravens were the only other teams that have had two shutouts in their first four weeks in the Super Bowl era. Uh, you know, go back to the 20s, there was – Zero zero every week, uh, but you know those two those teams went on and won a Super Bowl. Now, uh, uh, people will say if they if you're doubting the Bills, uh, Leslie's defense has also beaten uh, Ty, uh, Taylor Heineke, uh, Davis Mills, and I'm drawing a blank. Another they've beaten three backup quarterbacks. Uh, mm-hmm. That now they won't get a backup quarterback this week in Patrick Mahomes. So they go to Cincinnati. So that's one of my, uh, you know, you go from so outscoring the teams, the last three of teams, 118 to 21 to, to going into Kansas City, knowing you're going to have to, you know, get some turnovers and, and try and outscore that that team. So I, I really like Buffalo's defense getting tested in Kansas City this week. Um, you know, you and I kind of met during the uh, Leslie Frazier days uh, when when I, I you were you'd been around a long time covering the Vikings, but I think that's when Leslie got the job, or just before it was when I started covering. I might have covered a little bit of Chile, but uh, though, uh, even though the Vikings struggled, that he was a great great guy to uh, cover, wasn't he? he? Just a super individual. Well, I, first of all, he's a great human being. He's just a, a genuine. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, being around him, it was just you wanted to see him do well because he was just such a, a, a his humility, his uh, his demeanor. I mean, uh, he's like it's the Tony Dungy type of like you know just right. he 
if you don't like Tony Dungy or you don't like Leslie Frazier, there's nothing wrong with them. It's something wrong with you. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, he was. Uh, he got to the end. Uh, I think his defenses. Uh, you know, his players got older, and uh, now his secondary at the end was atrocious. I mean, I remember uh, my preview for the Saints game at the end of uh, this was. I don't know if it was 13 or not, but it was one of the years where he didn't. It might have been the last year. Uh, was basically is Drew Brees going to set the record for passing? Could you, uh, the record was like uh, is Storm Van Brocklin's 554 yards passing going back to like 1951 or two or whatever it is. Uh, and you know, Brees sits down at the start of the fourth quarter, and he would he, he was on pace to break that record. He had more touchdown passes and incompletions because you had like the Benny Sapp who they brought back. Uh, they had to bring back Marcus uh, Sherrills was starting uh, at corner. Uh, so Leslie was down to nothing. Uh, the cover was bare for him. Um, so, and, you know, maybe he, uh, things were a little too vanilla at the end, uh, scheme wise as well. Uh, but he leaves here as, you know, the, had the worst, uh, you know, scoring defense in the league in 2013. Now Zimmer came in and started turning things around. Uh, but they also have better players too. He, he, uh, does he have a coach uh, as a coach at Super Bowl ring? I think he has one as a player with the the Bears, didn't he? Uh, eighty five. Uh, he was a yeah. He was a cornerback on the eighty five Bears. So right. Uh, right. You know, he he might have been. He might have been the only humble guy on the eighty five Bears. <laughs> uh, I think he's somewhere in the video when they did the shuffle video. Uh, he's somewhere in there. Uh, I believe. I'm not sure, but uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, and then he uh, ended up. He was also a punt returner, and I think he, I think that next year he blew his knee out on a punt return, right. and and then that, you know back then, you know you were done. Uh, right. You know he didn't come back from stuff like that, uh, and also he was a, uh, I, uh, I believe, an assistant on uh, the Colts team that won, that beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So I, I was going to say it'd be nice to see him get a uh, a ring, but he's he's got one as a coach and a player, and that's that's a pretty. Uh, Pretty nice resume. Uh, moving on to some of the other games, the Rams uh, got rammed by the Cards. You know, last week I asked you, are they the best team in football? Well, I guess I got my answer because the Cardinals took care of the Rams this week. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know how many people were on the Cardinals bandwagon, but I did. You know, that was like we do these season previews, and I had so it's in, it's on ink somewhere uh, uh, or on the internet somewhere that. Uh, Kind of looking at the Cardinals is like, hey, you know, JJ Watt could have gone any number of places, but he picked the Cardinals. Why did you know? Is he going to be a genius because he picked? You know, he wants to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl just because they're four and zero, but you know, that's a that's an extremely good team defensively and also uh, offensively. Kyler Murray, I mean, is uh, he's like number one in completion percentage at seventy six percent, but he's number two in. Uh, 9.5 yards per attempt. Uh, he obviously he's the fastest player in the league, um, but he's also becoming an extraordinary good passer. Now he can throw some interceptions here and there, as, a, as the Vikings saw. Um, but you know they 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 also can run the ball. I mean, they had like 216 yards rushing against the Rams, uh, 40 carries, two touchdowns. Um, they're they're looking really solid now. You know. They got to play the 49ers, I believe, at home. Um, so, yeah, 49ers, I think, have beaten them three out of the last four times. Uh, 
so I, very familiar with each other. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it's funny because the last time that they went 4-0 uh, was 2012. They proceeded to lose nine straight games, finished 5-11, and they got Ken Wisenhunt fired. So uh, 4-0 starts can be good, or they also can just be kind of a mirage. I don't think this is a mirage, though. Um, you know, look look at that. Look at who the Vikings have gotten beat by. The Cardinals, the three and one Bengals, and the three and one Browns. I mean, come on. You know, it's well, yeah, it's sure. not as bad as it seems. I'm kidding. But well, the Browns are one are the are the Vikings are one and three, and I uh and they've lost what by I'm bringing up Zimmer stats here, but uh they've lost by eleven points, I think. And so they're they're like plus two in uh point differential on your one and three. So I, I do. I will agree because Zimmer came out and basically was. Uh, I wasn't at the press conferences. They said this, but you know, you guys are all stat guys. And you don't look at. You don't see what. What you don't look at the game. You just look at stats. And there's some truth to that. To some with some people, I think. Um, like I, I thought that uh, they played the Cardinals really well. The numbers, made, you know, the raw numbers won't say it, but I thought they played pretty well. Um, you know, so. They have the ability to win some games, but they got to start doing it. Right. I get a little afraid, a little concerned when when Zim starts going down that road, you know, because ultimately we, we all know in this league that there's only one stat that counts, and that's wins and losses for a coach or a quarterback or what have you. But I agree with him. Right. I look at I, I'm not a stats guy either, and you know, I they, I help I look at them just to see to make sure I'm not saying something stupid when uh, I'm making a point, but. Um, because there's so much that happens in a game that causes a game to go one way or the other. And I really believe that so many teams are so close to each other in talent and ability that, that, you know, the stats might show one thing, but you, you get a bad bounce or you get a bad call or you get, you make the wrong decision on a, on a play and you can lose a ball game in this league. And, and there needs to be some consideration of that. I think when you ever assess any team or player or coach or what have you. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, like like I said earlier about you know that I look at that Christmas Day game and you know that's an inability to compete. That's that's being humiliated. That's being embarrassed. Uh, that's like you shouldn't even have played the game. Uh, but you know the losses I've seen this year. I mean, Cincinnati probably stands out to me the most of like you shouldn't have lost that game. Uh, but because there's just so many penalties, uh, they play a cleaner game. You know, they, maybe they they win that, but they didn't. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think that this is a terrible team that, oh, they got to fire the coach. I think it's a team that's, um, needing a little time to come together and they have the ability, you know, to, to win games. Uh, now, you know, injuries are going to start cropping up and who, if Dalvin Cook lingers, that's a problem, but uh, things come together and they have the health, they can, they can win some games. Interested in commenting on Belichick and Brady, or can we just be done with that? <laughs> I, you know, I, I it's, uh, I think uh, Collinsworth called it a draw, and I I'd sort of like that because I, I thought Mac Jones played really well. Yeah. Uh, I thought Belichick had a really good game plan. I, you know, again, a kicker. It's, it's like in the year of the kicker, uh, kicker decides Belichick and Brady. It's, you know, it was a fifty-six yarder in the in the pouring rain. Uh, people say, well, you shouldn't have called. You shouldn't have gone. You know, kicked it maybe, but. He hits the upright and it's way up there. Um, so he had to, you know, it's like three inches one way and it's Belichick beats Brady. So it was kind of this, 
I, I, it was an entertaining game. I know people just don't uh, people complain about the Browns and the Vikings game. I I don't know. I just because there's not a lot of points, I, I don't find myself being turned off by a game. So I, I sort of liked that kind of rainy, muddy game, or that's not muddy because they're artificial turf, but this rainy game where it's slow scoring. And uh, so I, I liked the game. I think uh, Brady had the better team and he won. Oh God, I'm a, I'm a throwback myself as far as that old kind of low scoring defensive battle, slinging in the mud and snow because I'm from Minnesota when they didn't have uh, a dome, you know, uh, yeah. it's, I, I love football at that point. Cause I, like I was saying earlier, that that uh, that spheroid makes some squirts one way or the other makes some crazy things happen. It's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the Jags are 0-4. Urban Meyer, he's uh, he's in Ohio. You spent some time in Ohio, right? And uh, and uh, how how do you how do you see his transition happening here? Even especially when he's out of the bar and not having people <laughs> dance near him. Yeah. So. yeah, he's got some problems off the field. Uh, well, yeah, they're, they're, they he's four, it's, he's never had a four game losing streak anywhere he's been. Uh, now it's a lot when you're taking the jobs he's had and probably not going to you know, four game losing streak get you fired. But uh, they're in the AFC South, so they they have they play at home against Tennessee this week. So they beat Tennessee. They won the zero and four Jags because they're one game out of first place because Tennessee's leading that division with uh, two and two records. So. You know, it's uh, Urban Meyer. Might, might his head might blow off uh, with, if he keeps losing. Uh, and you know, they they outplayed the Bengals for most of that game. You know, they dominated the first half. Then uh, they go for the uh, they go for a touchdown at like from the one yard line late in the second quarter. Would have made it twenty one nothing. Well, the Bengals had a stop, and then the Bengals opened the second half with a touchdown. And then I think Jacksonville went three and out, and a lot of things happen, and then my survivor pool pick one uh, on the last second field goal. So I was happy. You were happy. Um, you talked about mentioning Cordero Patterson with three touchdowns with the Falcons this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Cordero, if you look at the three touchdowns, uh, I think he had over 100 yards from scrimmage. Uh, uh, one of them is a deep ball, like a 42-yard touchdown. One of them is a crossing route. And the other one is this fade into the end zone where he goes up over the corner and grabs it. It's like he had three plays that you're, you know, you don't think Cordero is going to do, uh, at least especially the the fade, which he should be great at, and, uh, and the deep ball because he just wasn't that type of type of player. But it's it's three touchdowns in one game in his fourth game as a Falcon. And uh, I thought a, a fascinating stat was uh, Julio Jones, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame someday, Never had three touchdowns for the Falcons in ten years. Wow! Now Julio uh, Julio got a lot more attention than uh, Cordero, but uh, from the defense. Uh, but I thought that was a fascinating stat because Cordero is, if you use him right, uh, I think the Patriots found a way to use him. Uh, uh, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see if he was like part of the, this Vikings offense. So you could almost use him as a like a tight end, uh, like he fill he could fill Irv Smith uh, or yeah, Irv Smith's role uh, is that third guy or although yeah. they're they're getting a pretty they're getting a pretty good third guy developing in uh, KJ Osborne. Absolutely. Uh, so the, every week this guy's making a catch that's just uh, phenomenal. Um, well, you know, it, it seems to be uh, Cordero's mo is to you know, no pun intended, flash early with the team. 
and then just kind of either they can't figure out how to use him or he just stops producing and then he goes on to another team, flashes. He is CP Flash is his nickname. Yeah. And then he goes kind of, you know, same thing. And they did that with the Patriots. And now and then he fell out of favor there. And so maybe maybe he's flashing right now. And we'll have to see how he he finishes with the Falcons, eh? Yeah, I mean he's the best player on their team probably right now, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's a team that's not that's it's that's hurting. Uh, one thing I will say, the Vikings. I, I think there's ten one and three teams. Uh, if you want a moral victory, Joe, I, I the Vikings have. I think I believe the best one and three team in football. So you're saying there's a chance. So yeah, if you, if you if you're very you were, their number, uh, I think I got them eight twenty one. So if you got any wear number twenty one t-shirts? Put it on. Uh, are you working on anything fun this week? Anything interesting that we should be looking out for in the Tribune? Uh, it's, I'm not doing the Sunday story this week, so a lot of uh, grinding work this week. Uh, Lions week doesn't get a lot of excitement. Um, if they win, I think the excitement kind of bubbles up a little bit. If they lose, the uh, the anger will be over the top, and uh, we'll have a lot to talk about next week if they lose. Absolutely. We should play golf they, and do it. Better. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I think that about does it this week for for Vikings territory breakdown. I did want to mention that this weekend we're having a celebration of life for for Joe Johnson, who started this whole thing uh, a number of years ago, and uh, uh, we lost him this summer. And and uh, th- this weekend, Saturday, there's a there's a celebration of life for him. So uh, you can find it on the website. Uh, uh, and it's at McDonald's Liquor, I believe, on Saturday at 12 to 3. But I just want to, uh, in lieu of that, just say, you know, uh, he's a great guy. We miss him dearly, and uh, we'll celebrate him this weekend. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, the Lions and the Vikings, and hopefully uh, the Vikings pull one out. But, uh, Joe, here's to you. Thanks, brother. That's school, and we'll see you next week.